Can, uh, can you believe like Christmas is just a few days away? Today is our last Sunday of, of Advent, and we have one more question to ask today before we celebrate Christmas. These, these weeks leading up to Christmas, we've been asking questions here at Clay Church, using these questions to just drive us deeper into the sort of traditional Advent and Christmas texts, deeper into biblical texts that, that we may know well. And uh, so are you ready for today's question? Why me? How many of you ever asked that question? At some point in your life, you've been like, why me? Right? I'm just going to bet that even if you didn't raise your hand, you may not have asked it out loud, but you've probably thought it at some point in your life. Maybe, maybe you asked it of a parent who like, asked you to do something while your sibling was sitting right there, and you're like, why me? Like, why do I have to do this? Why can't he or she do it? Maybe you wondered this question under your breath when the teacher called on you instead of anyone else in the class, and you're like, Wait, why me? Why do I have to answer this? Maybe you've asked the question of God in a moment of just when everything was falling apart. Why me? And we think about this question, right? I think we ask it in different ways of our, in our lives, right? Let me see if this tracks with some of you. There, there are different ways we ask this question, why me? For example, um, there is the why me and not someone else question that I posed about a sibling, right? Why, why me? Why, why not someone else? Why did that professor manage to call on the one person in class that hadn't read last night to know the answer? Like, why me and why not somebody else, right? There's that kind of why me. And then there's another kind of why me. I like to think of this as like just the exasperated why me. Like, why, why does everything have to go wrong in, uh, in my life? Like, why are all these bad things happening to me? The exasperated why me. And then I think there's a variation on this one. I like to, uh, I like to think of this as the overly dramatic why me. This is very much like the, uh, very much like the, um, like the exasperated why me. But in this case, uh, it's, we, we say why me over something that nobody else would consider like, like even comparable to the suffering in the world. Uh, this is the one where, right, the, the car has a dead battery. Why me? Right? Well, while everybody else knows that there are much worse things that could be happening out there in the world. The strand of lights won't work on the tree. Why me? The overly dramatic why me. And then I think there's one more. I think a, a kind of important why me. There's the, this kind of curious why me. This why me, this, this is the, the why me we will sometimes ask if we're invited to do something or if we find ourselves in the in the place of, you know, serving on a team or taking on a new responsibility, and, and we're not sure why we're even, why, why are we in this place? Why, why is somebody inviting us to do this? Or we wonder why we're even considered. We, we wonder if, if we even have the skills to do this. Like, why would somebody consider me to do this task or to be a part of this, part of this thing? So let me just invite you for a moment. Think about a time in your life. When, when have you said, why me? What was going on at the time? What prompted the question? When you asked your why me, did, did you get an answer? While you're thinking about that, we're going to pray. And then we're going to let the question guide a, a deeper look at the story of Mary today. Would you pray with me? Holy God, 
Holy God, speak to us in these moments. Open our very souls to your word for each and every one of us. And as you speak to our souls, just expand our minds to to comprehend even a little bit more of this mystery of faith that you've invited us to know. And then, God, just fill our hearts this day to overflowing with your love and send us as your church just to offer an invitation to receive this good news that we know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why me is our question. And I, have you ever felt, have you ever like felt totally unworthy of, of what God was nudging you to do? Have you ever had a moment in life when you just felt God's nudge and you're like, I, I just, I don't know that I'm, I don't know that I'm the right person for you, God. I don't know if I've shared this story from my own experience. It's one of my why me moments in life. Um, I had actually just been in ministry for a couple of months. And uh, I was still figuring out what it even meant to be. I was a youth pastor. I was figuring out, like, what does it even mean to be a youth pastor? And I was called and asked to go visit a young woman. Um, she was in the psychiatric ward of, of a local hospital, and she had she tried to take her own life. Um, and um, in truth, as she would later say, she's like, I didn't want to die. I just, I wanted the pain to go away, and I, and I wanted somebody to know I was hurting. It's just... It was heartbreaking. So I, I arrived at the hospital, and uh, there was the hospital, and then the, the psychiatric was a different building, different quarters, and I wasn't even sure where I was going. I just was going to wander in the front door and kind of figure out where I was supposed to go from there. I'd, I'd never done a visit like this, anything like this in my life, and I remember sitting in my car and in this sort of semi-state of prayer and being like, God, like, why me? Why? why did I get this call? There are pastors on our team that would be better at this. Like, I am not trained for this. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't, I've never been to a psychiatric ward. I, I, why me, God? I should pause here and make this clear. I didn't get an answer. So, just in case this, you think this message is about how you get an answer in the moment. I, I did not get an answer. But here I was, and, and it was the job I had been hired into, and, and so I pulled together any courage that I could, and I walked, walked in and went through, uh, told them who I was visiting, and, and they walked me through what I think was an, an adult ward, and then through another set of locked doors into the youth ward of this unit, and then through another set of locked doors and I'm like, holy cow, what is, what is this place? And, and uh, after we got through the third set of locked doors, we went into kind of a common room, and there, there she was, the, the young woman. And, uh, and I, I sat down, and I handed her a, a Bible from our youth Bible collection. And I remember thinking at the moment, don't judge me for this, I, I know better now. But I remember thinking at the moment, as I'm handing her this Bible, I'm like, really? A Bible? Like, you should have gotten her a coloring book, or, or you should have brought her, um, you know, Harry Potter. Like, I, is she really going to sit here and read? Like, why didn't you bring something? Like, in my mind, I was like something that a youth would find 
a, a better gift or more entertaining with the Bible. Again, please don't judge me. I was young in ministry then. And, and then the second thought that followed that one was, what do I say? Like, I, I hardly know her. I've been in this position for two months. I, I've met her like once or twice. What do I even, what do I even say? And I didn't really have time to think, right? I'm already sitting at the table. She's looking across at me. And so I said, how are you? And I immediately regretted it. Like, how are you? Like, she, she's in this terrible place. She's lousy. She's locked up. Her, her life's upside down. She, she feels like life is awful. Like, why would I ask such a silly question? But as soon as I asked, she just lit up. Like, she got this huge smile on her face, and she's like, I'm much better. And, and then she proceeded to talk and talk and talk. And in 45 minutes of visit, um, I think I had to ask like three questions. And that's all I said. And she just talked and shared and talked and shared. That was all she needed. And she thanked me multiple times for the Bible. She's like, I've been trying to read the Bible here, but they just have the King James and I find it hard to read. And uh, it is so great to have a youth Bible um, so, I can, so I can read. When I finally... When I finally needed to go, I, uh, I stood up, and, and she stood up, and she came around the table, and she just threw her arms around me. Sorry, I didn't know that was going to hit me. She just threw her arms around me and told me how glad she was that I came to, that I came to see her, how, how glad she was, how much it meant to her to know that, that I cared and that I was praying for her. As I walked out that day, I realized something. The why me that I had been asking in the car was all about what I couldn't do. It was about my limitations and my reservations and my fears. And the amazing part of the experience was God didn't need me to do anything just to show up, just to find the courage to walk in the room. It's one of my why me moments. Have you thought about yours? And I wonder, what if we, what if we take this question and we, we let it guide us into a text that a lot of us know really well about the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary. Luke 1, 26. If we dive in right there, it says this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And we're going to pause for just a moment. Nazareth. Nazareth is this out-of-the-way place with out-of-the-way people. Like some scholars put an estimate that it was, there were about 2,000 people there at, uh, at this time in history. There are other estimates that put it closer to like 400 or 500. Like it is a, it's a small village. It's not a, it's not a city. It's not, even, it's not even talked about in any of the sources, like Roman sources at the time. Nazareth isn't even mentioned until the year 200 AD, like almost 200 years after Jesus. It finally appears 
in the, in the historical documents of the time. I mean, it's just an out-of-the-way village in the middle of no, nowhere. In John's gospel, Nathaniel will literally say, like, can anything good come from Nazareth? It's like he's saying, can anything come from Nazareth? But this, right, this is about to change. This is what Luke says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. This word in the Greek that gets translated different in different translations, it says, it's translated here, greatly troubled. It says that Mary was greatly troubled as the angel Gabriel appears to her. Other translations will say confused or, or perplexed or, or overwhelmed. Perhaps, perhaps we could intuit in this moment that part of what is going through Mary's head is, why me? Mary's got to be asking herself that question. She's just a peasant girl from from Nazareth, a a nobody from nowhere. She's got to be asking, like, God, why? Why would God send an angel to me? And why on earth would God call me highly favored? If you'll notice, she doesn't even know what else is going to happen at this point. She's just been told she's highly favored, and she's, like, confused and, and perplexed. Me, like a peasant girl, highly favored? Like, favor comes to kings and rulers and warriors and priests and prophets. Favor does not come from, to peasant girls, let alone, let alone women. Why me? Before we hear the rest of this story, we, we might sit in the question for a moment with Mary. Because right, there are times in our lives when, when we don't think we're worthy. There are times in our lives when we can't even begin to think that God could use us. Who are we in, in relation to this big world we live in, we think sometimes? Or, or, or sometimes we think, really, God? When the, when the nudge in our life to do something or the, that thing God has in front of us, it just seems insurmountable. Or like, really, God? Why me? You think I can do this? I, I don't have the skills. I don't have the patience. I don't have the ability. I don't fill in the blank here. Or we'll find ourselves saying, like, there are more qualified people. There are, there are more faithful people. There are more powerful people. Maybe somebody else will, will stop and help because I, I don't know that I'm qualified. I don't know that I know what to do. But as we sit in this question, then we, we begin to realize the story doesn't end here with Mary questioning Mary confused, with Mary perplexed. It goes on. Pick it up in verse 31, and Gabriel says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
How can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The story, the story will often cause Mary to be grouped with this group of people in the Bible, Mary and Moses and Isaiah and Job. And you know what sets these four apart? Mary and Moses and Isaiah and Job. Do you know what sets these four individuals apart in the Bible? I'll give you a hint. It is not that they would already have every gift that they needed to do what God was going to invite them to do. It's not that they had everything they needed to face the situation that that God was going to invite them to, to step into. And a second hint, it's not that they didn't have any doubts or any questions. Any guesses what sets them apart? It's their ultimate faith in God's promise. Let me just pause for a moment. You might think Job is, a, is an odd addition to this group because his, his story is, is one of suffering and tragedy. But, but here's the other unique part of the stories of all four of these characters in the Bible. All four of them, right, have this willingness to, to trust God. It's not that they don't ask questions. In fact, they all have questions for God. They all have moments of thinking that that I'm not worthy, but all four of them hold on to their faith and trusting in the promise of God, and it leads them, each of them, into a divine experience, into an experience of the mystery of God in their very lives. Right? Moses gets an audience with God. He gets to speak directly to God. Isaiah has God speak directly to him and then is given words to say to others. Job is given an audience with God. doesn't mean his suffering goes away. It doesn't mean he, he gets kind of the answer he's looking for, but he gets to have an audience. He gets to see, he gets to be in God's presence. And the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary and she gives birth to the Son of God. Faith. The common link is faith, not a promise that things will be easy. They're not in any of these stories. Not a promise that there won't be suffering. There will be suffering and struggle. But faith is trusting in the promise and trusting that God will be present, that God will show up. Faith is believing that God is is true to God's word. That God has a purpose. 
in each and every moment for each and every person. I heard this great story once. A young woman was with me on retreat, and we were um, talking about being in the right place at the right time, or experiences of the right place at the right time, and, and she shared this story, and I wish I could go back and, uh, and find her and record this story, because I cannot, I cannot do justice to the story that, that she told. Um, but, um, but it's so powerful. I just want you to, to hear about her experience. She was driving home one, uh, uh, one evening, uh, late afternoon evening, uh, north side of Indiana, and she was driving on, a, on an Indiana State Highway when uh, a tire blew out. She pulled off. She didn't know if she'd hit something or, or the tire was just old and, and blue, but whatever the case, it was totally flat. She pulled off the road and she stopped. And, and uh, it was late afternoon, early evening, and um, her parents didn't live in state, and she wasn't sure. None of her friends were close to where she was at the moment. She really wasn't sure who to call or even what to do. And so she got out of the car to to look at the tire and just see. And she was standing behind the behind the car, looking at the looking at the tire. And she realized there was quite a bit of traffic on the road. Like there were cars going by. And she thought, well, you know, maybe somebody will stop. Well, seven, eight, nine, ten cars went by, and nobody even slowed. Nobody even noticed or or slowed down. She was actually just ready to kind of give up on, on somebody stopping or, or thinking maybe a police car would come by and try to figure out what to do next when a car pulled off behind and, and pulled up behind her. And as she says, I'm not proud of this, but I was a, a little bit discouraged um, when the window rolled down and it was a woman that was probably like 70 years old and looked really frail. And like I knew immediately she wasn't going to help me be able to put a spare on. Uh, but the woman said, it looks like, you know, you're having some trouble. Can I can I help you? And she said, you know, I've got a flat tire. I, I'm not sure who to call, not sure what to do. And, and so the, this older woman said, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't change a tire. Um, but, uh, but I tell you what, I actually live in the next town down the highway. Um, why don't I drive you there and, uh, and we'll find you some help and get somebody who can come back and, and help change the tire. The young woman wasn't particularly excited about leaving the car, but grabbed her purse, jumped in the car with the older woman and and uh, they made their way to the next town up the highway. And when they pulled in, there was a service station kind of toward the edge of town. And the, uh, the woman pulled in, and, uh, and she noticed that the young woman noticed there was a tow truck in the garage. And she's like, well, that's good. So if all else fails, they'll be able to tow it. There'll be help here. So she went to jump out of the car and, and, and thank the woman and say, you know, and then go in and, and figure it out. When the woman jumped out of the car at the same time and said, no, I'll help you. And she said, no, it's okay. I, I just appreciate the ride here. And the older woman said to her, she said, um, she's like, I'm not proud to say this, but I'm not confident that people in this town will help a young black woman like they should. And she said she was taken aback by the comment, but then sort of grateful that the, that the woman was looking out for. And so she said, okay, and so they went in, and, and the, uh, the station attendant was there, and the, the, they presented what had happened and said, you know, could you, could you go out and get the, the, the spare put on? She had, a, um, she had a spare tire in the car. She's like, could you all go out and put the spare tire on? And then the older woman said, we're going to go get a meal while you all do that. Um, I'm going to feed her, and then we'll be back, and we'll pick up the car, or we'll go back and pick up the car. So uh, the two, men, two women went out for dinner. Uh, downtown. They had a nice dinner, and the young woman said, you know, let's split the checks, and the older woman was like, no, I, I, 
I'll pick it up. No, no worries. Happy to do this. So no matter how much she insisted, the older woman was just, she's like, it was like my grandma. She just wouldn't let me pay for anything. So they, they, then they went back, to the, uh, went back to the service station, and they were a little bit surprised because her car was already there. And, um, and uh, when they walked in, um, the uh, attendant said, you know what, we didn't have any other tow calls, so we sent the tow truck out. It was just as easy to pull it in here and to, and to put the spare on right here in the garage. And, uh, and they said thank you, and the attendant put, uh, handed the keys across the desk. And the older woman said, I'll be right back to settle with you. And kind of hurried the younger woman out, um, gave her keys and said, you know, happy to help, uh, head out, I'll just go back in and, and settle up with them. And the younger woman was like, well, you know, I, let me pay at least, let me, let me write you a check for, for what the cost is going to be. And the older one was like, no, she's like, I've seen guys do this before, they're going to try and charge us for the tow, which we didn't ask for, so I'm going to go back in, and, uh, and they'll say that, and I'll refuse, and then I'll pay for the change in the tire, and it'll all be good. And uh, the young woman, like, she's just incredulous at how giving this woman was, and so she offered one more time, she's like, please, let me just you know, get an address so I can refund you or pay you back. And the woman said, no, here's what I want you to know as you leave today. I don't believe God ever has me arrive anywhere by accident. She said, so I, when I arrive at a situation where I can help, I just try to do what Jesus would do and let God use me as a blessing. And so she said, today, God got to use me to bless you. Someday it'll be your turn and God will use you to bless somebody else. I don't believe God ever has me arrive somewhere by accident. Isn't that a great thought? Like a, a philosophy for life, for faith, right? Right? And, and notice how that philosophy, how that attitude, it can change how we ask the why me questions of our life. Right? If we have faith that God is present, if we believe that God can work through us in any given moment, at any given time, that the Holy Spirit has that kind of power, that God has that kind of power that makes the impossible possible, then we're empowered to move away from a why me question that's all about how I can't do this and, and how I am limited and, and how this might affect me to a why me question that says, God might have me here in a way that God can do something in this moment. I might get to be a part of something that God is about to do. Right? So instead, if God has you in this time, in this, in this place, right here with purpose and not by accident, then our why me can be filled with enthusiasm and hope. We move from this why me, God, to why me, God? Help me understand. Help me, help me see what you see. Why me, God? Why, why do you have me here in this place in time? Why me, God? How, how, how do you think that I can help in this moment? Why me, God? What, what gifts 
Do I maybe not even see that I can bring into this moment that you have placed me to be a part of? Now, I don't believe that, that God causes us suffering. Yet this thought means that if we arrive in a place of suffering in our lives, even here this philosophy moves us from focusing on how miserable the suffering is for us and toward how we can witness to a God who is present even in the midst of the pain and suffering of our lives, a God who understands, a God who will ultimately defeat evil and suffering and injustice. Right? Because to God, our lives, they always have a purpose. When I go and visit people who are near the end of, end of life, and I've probably said this before, I, I share this because I think in that moment it becomes really, really pronounced for us, but it's something that happens through our life. People will often say, like, I don't, I don't feel like I have any purpose anymore. I don't know why I'm still here. I, I, sometimes they'll say, I, God, I just, I'm ready to go. Um, and I'll always say in that moment, do you know what? God still has a purpose for you. You may not know it. It may just be a, a word of faith. It may be you know, demonstrating that you know where you're going, that you're going to heaven. That it may just be saying that out loud to a family member or a friend. It may be just you know, how, you, how you're facing suffering. It may even be that, that somebody else caring for you is going to have their life changed just by, just by helping you in this moment through your pain. You never know when a, when a loving gesture or a kind word or a testimony to your faith in God, even in the midst of suffering in more difficult times, you never know when God is going to use that to transform lives. So why me, we sometimes ask? Here's an answer for us today. Because I'm a servant of God. Why me? Because I'm a servant of God. So much is a mystery, but I, I can choose to believe. You can choose to believe, just like Mary, that in this time and place, as unworthy or as unready as we may feel, we can still choose to serve God. In three verses, Mary moves. Notice 34, 35, 36 in Luke 1. In three verses, Mary moves from, from a peasant girl to a prophet. And you know what defines that movement? Faith to trust the promise. And then the declaration that I am a servant of God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. That's why I can face what comes without any fear. That's why I believe I'm in this place, in this moment, because God has something for me to say or do. And in those moments where we, like Mary, we still wonder why God is choosing us, 
when you ask that why me and, and you're not sure of the answer, here's what you can know, what we do know. Right? God just needs you to be faithful and to show up. God knows, and God just needs you to be you. God can and will do the rest. God just needs you to be faithful and to show up. And we too then will move from from people with outside of our purpose to people who know that our purpose is to expand God's love in our world.